outside. Let's stand up, worship the Lord together.
was hopeless Desperation weighing down You saw me searching And you came knocking Doors were open, hope was found Sing hallelujah Your grace amazes me I was lost and now I'm found Hallelujah When I call you answer me Oh God, you never let me down Sing, I was drifting drifting I felt my feet start sinking doubt and fear pulling me down you heard me calling and you came running you put my feet back on the ground oh hallelujah hallelujah God your grace amazes me
God, your grace amazes me. I was lost and now I'm found. Hallelujah. When I call, you answer me. Oh, God, you never let me down. You never let me down. Mm -hmm. God, thank you for being our God in every circumstance, God. Through the joy and through the pain, through the struggle, God, you are still God. Thank you that we can trust you, that we can count on you. We can depend on you, God. God, help us to do more than just say that sing that God we want to live out our faith in you God God help us to trust you this morning as we have made the decision to be here and come here God you knew that you knew that before we were born that we would be in this place today, November 19th. So God, I just ask that you would have your way in our hearts, have your way in our family today as we have gathered together. Would you speak your truth? God, help us to listen, not just hear words, but help us to listen. God, we submit our lives to you, the good, the bad, the ugly, the struggle, the pain, the doubt, the fear. We give it all to you. We lay it at your feet. And we surrender to you in Jesus' name. Have your way. Amen. You can have a seat. church. Happy Thanksgiving week to all of you. Good to see you all here this morning. Um, got a bunch of announcements, so I'm going to go through those right now. First of all, we've got our youth group Friendsgiving face-off tonight. So from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock here, this is going to be a great event. We're actually including the youth group from Calvary Church as well. Uh, dinner will be served as well for that, so youth group be here at 5 o'clock. Also want to let you know the Operation Christmas Child stuff ends tomorrow. So if you were planning to do a shoebox, uh, you have today and tomorrow to get that in. And the collection ends tomorrow at noon. So from 10 to 12 tomorrow, we'll be doing the final collection and then boxing everything up that hasn't already gone and taking it down to the distribution center. Uh, so make sure you take care of that today or tomorrow. Um, also want to mention tomorrow evening, our prayer night. This is our monthly prayer night. We do this on the third Monday of every month, and we encourage you to come join us for that. We'll be in the coffee shop next door doing prayer together from 7 to 8. It'll be kind of a time of thanksgiving. And then also just praying for the church, the community, the nation, and really everything that's going on in the world. So we encourage you to come out for that. 
And then I also want to get this on the calendar for you ladies. The women's tea is scheduled for December 9th at 10 a.m. So that's always a good festive holiday Christmas time event. So again, December 9th at 10 o'clock. Um, we're also starting up a new life group. We've got a number of life groups that are going, and some of those are open to new members, but we are starting a new one. So Tim and Lauren are going to come up and talk about their life group that they're trying to get going on Tuesday nights. You may remember Tim and Lauren uh, about a month and a half ago, early October, they gave their testimony, and so they want to share a little bit about this group. Hi, thank you. Um, it's my wife, Lauren, our daughter, Nora, son, Caleb. Um, we're starting a new life group and wanted to come up here and show our faces so you know who you are and you can also assess whether we look like we're fun or not to spend a, a night of the week with. Um, we would love for anyone and everyone, well, not everybody, we would love for anybody, uh, it's open to anybody, um, to, to sign up. We will be limited just on pure capacity, but um, we'd love for there to be a mix of you know intergenerational folks who are not looking just for married with two kids um, to match us, so and anybody's welcome. Um, we right now are planning on Tuesday nights, um, tentatively around seven-ish. We live uh, close to Green Mountain near the Colorado Mills Mall, so that gives you a sense of geography. Um, I'm doing the announcements, but Lauren's really in charge. What else? <laughs> That's it? Yeah. Okay, or yeah. Do they email Donna? Oh, what's what's the right protocol them? for... I think the, our email was on, you can either email Donovan or our email's on the announcement, Lauren's email. She's the one who knows what's going on. Um, so yeah, we love, we're, we're gonna probably kick off formally in January, but try to get together a couple times before the end of the year. So we'll, we'll just field people as they come in and once we hit capacity, then we'll have to put a stop and maybe start more groups. <laughs> All right, I think that's it, thank you. All right, Jennifer, why don't you come on up? We've got our annual uh, Salvation Army bell ringing starts this week, actually. So Jennifer's going to talk about that opportunity. Um, yeah, I just wanted to share with you about the Salvation Army. Um, I've shared before, so I know some of you are familiar, but some of you may not be. Um, either way, you probably see the red kettles outside of um, Safeway and King Supers in Golden. And um, I just wanted to share with you that the money that gets collected in those red kettles stays in Golden, and it's used for families in Golden. Um, it's generally used for um, families that can't pay their rent just for a month, and so it's, it's kind of a stopgap to keep families in their homes. Um, I wanted to share that up through October of this year, and there were 86 households served in Golden. That was 206 individuals and about $77,000. Um, not all of that money comes in through the red kettles, but the red kettles are actually super important in, in bringing in that money. Um, so, I just want to encourage you, if you have two hours between the day after Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve, um, the, it's every day at King Supers, and then there's actually only a week at Safeway, um, between 10 and 6 at night, 
you can ring the bell for two hours and um, you could you don't have to do the two whole hours you could split it with another family or um, like if you have a small group people could do an hour and then you know other people can come fill in the other hour however you want to do it but it's actually a lot of fun um, small children always bring people over <laughs> um, if you have kids you can sing Christmas carols you can play an instrument you can do lots of things and have fun with it so um, if you're interested there's a sign up genius in the church email and you can just um, do your own sign up through sign up genius if you have questions you can uh, contact me my email's in there or you could just find me today thank you Yeah, so that's a really cool ministry to be part of, either, either as a ringer or as a giver. So I would encourage you, even if you don't ring, uh, make sure you give. Make sure you're generous with those things. It's really neat that all that money stays in Golden. It serves a great purpose here. A lot of money's been collected. So uh, just be aware of that when you go to the grocery store and definitely sign up. There's also a sign up on the website in case you um, don't have the weekly email. Uh, but on, under the ministry section, there is a, a, a page for the Salvation Army bell ringing, and the sign up is there as well. Um, last thing I want to mention is the Advent devotionals. I mentioned this last week, but Advent starts on December 3rd. So feel free to grab devotionals on your way out. They're on the back table there. So grab one of those for your family and start going through those devotionals together um, starting on December 3rd. Okay, I think that's it for announcements. So we're going to go ahead and dismiss. Youth group is going to meet next door. The high school is going to be in the main part of the coffee shop. The middle school is going to be behind the, the uh, barn door, so youth group can head next door. And then kids can be dismissed for Sunday school as well. Just go out and meet in the lobby, and we'll get you guys situated. The rest of you, say hi to one another.
You got me? Okay. Can I ask you all to grab a seat? How are you? Can you hear me, Mike? Okay. Can you all grab a seat? What's up, bro? Let me encourage you to uh, open the book of Romans at some point. And let me assure you I love that we have to stop you from chattering. Because that's a good problem to have in a church. But we are going to talk about God's purposes or to help his children be more like Jesus. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. And there's kind of that kind of famous verse in the middle of everything. And I want to really think through that a little bit today. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. What's unfortunate is kind of as you think through this passage, at least my experience with this passage over the years, is often people think, well, it just doesn't really matter how we live. It all works out in the end anyway. Uh, it's easy to miss that those that are called according to his purpose, not our purposes, and then there's still another key phrase in there, to those who love God. And if we put up John chapter 14, just interesting to see how Jesus describes when we love God. It says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper, and he, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And after a little while, the world will no longer see me. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. And that day you will know that I am in the Father, you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. Really, to love Jesus, love God. And again, with the, hope of the, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're not left alone. We are to be obedient to his commandments. And let me assure you, it is a battle in many ways to be obedient, but God honors just the process of our hearts when it's just sincerely desiring to do his will. That's so much of it. It's just the motives of our heart knowing that it, there is a process of struggle. But truth is, we are weak at best, and we even need help to pray, and we're going to talk about that today, how the Holy Spirit's involved, and because our, even our prayers often have just selfish motives. So the Holy Spirit prays for us that we might know and do God's will in our lives. 
And as we seek him, he predestines these good works to do according to his eternal purposes. And ultimately, as we're growing in this process of sanctification, we become more like Jesus. So let me ask you to stand up, and we're going to read the text together. It's a custom, my custom. And I read the first couple words, then you read the rest of the words. And this way we know for sure you're going to hear God's word together. In the same way, have a seat. Let's just pray and ask God's blessing on his word. Father, we just come to you believing you're with us. And God, we ask that your spirit would speak in such a way. God, I, I, I think so often if just one person really grasps these eternal truths and applies them to their lives, just the impact that one person can have. Because when we trust you, God, then you get involved and you do great things. And we, we're just so hopeful as we come to worship that Jesus would be honored and, and Lord, that somehow you would work in our lives in such a way that we'd be more devoted to him in a world that so desperately needs him that we would be the, the ones speaking, we'd be the ones loving, we'd be the ones encouraging people to know Jesus. So bless your word today, bless your people. Amen. So just an overall context uh, of the book of Romans is the theme of the book is God's righteousness and our need for that righteousness. And I always really begin in chapter 3 because I think it really speaks clearly of how we find that righteousness. And if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to that, but uh, verse 21, chapter 3. This is now apart from the law. The righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. He's basically saying there's no distinction with God whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. And if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So he's just saying there's no distinction. It's just it's this faith that, that God gives at this point. And he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly in his propitiation, oh, that didn't come out there, propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because the forbearance of God has passed over the sins previously mentioned and committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus I mean, it's God's righteousness given to us by his grace. Uh, 
we call this justification because it's, it's finally we're made right with God. Because of our sin, we're enemies to God. And then when we have his righteousness, it's just as if we never sinned. But as we continue in this life, God continues to sanctify our lives, continues to kind of clean up our lives, make us more holy. And I've always said this, it's why the Holy Spirit indwells us. He's holy. And he wants us to be more like him. Philippians 1, 6 says, For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He began it, and he'll continue to work in our lives. And including that sanctification process is suffering. And suffering is a big part of our lives. It's really, where do we go with it? Are we learning from it? Are we growing through it? Because it is part of life. And if you aren't in the midst of it now, it's probably coming. And partly it's because the God knows that when we suffer, we are often more likely to trust him, cling to him, and we'll see him work in our lives. Pastor Kevin spoke about there's hope in the midst of this suffering, the frame and focus, this perspective towards our heavenly home, that there's a purpose even eternally as God works in our lives. There's a key verse that he spoke on last week. It was, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the, the glory that has been revealed to us. Boy, it's just amazing that God is preparing this for us. Because sometimes we've got to keep that eternal perspective. Otherwise, this life seems like, why? Why would we go through it? Why would we have to struggle? And I'd suggest if, if, if we learn through the example of Jesus and his suffering, we'll be, become more like him, ultimately. 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us this. For you've been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually strained like sheep, and now you've returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. So interesting. The text tells us here, when Jesus is going through all this suffering, all this struggle, you know what he's doing? He continuously entrusted himself to the Father. There was a continuous act of submitting to God's will in the midst of the suffering. And when we do that, when we really trust God through the suffering, when we go to him, that's why in James it tells us you can consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Not if, when you do. Why? Why could you have joy? Because God's going to test your faith, but it's going to allow you to be close to God. It's our relationship to God that matters most. And the joy is when we have that with him. Unfortunately, it takes trials often to get us there. And so when we are trusting him, when we're entrusting ourselves to him, then there's hope that we're given that we'll be with him forever. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, heirs also, and heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him, how much hope is in that? You know, the process has got an end that's amazing. But it's really trusting him in the process. 
it's interesting in this section of scripture all the way through chapter 8 sanctification is never mentioned but I think it's very intentional I think it's very deliberate because it's the one area that human cooperation is necessary and really in our passage today it is is to further encourage us that God's purposes are to help his children to become more like Jesus so if you're following along on your outlines point one on your outline it's the Holy Spirit helps us by praying for us to do God's will. The Holy Spirit helps us by praying for us to do God's will. Verses 26 and 27. It says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. According to the will of God. See, the weaknesses here either refer to the Christian's limitations because we live in the flesh until we come to this next life. Or it's maybe just that we're just weak in how we pray because we don't know how to pray. So the Holy Spirit helps in our weaknesses to, to speak to God on our behalf. The message translation puts it this way. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. You'll say, why? Because the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. And it speaks about groans here. And I did kind of a study. What does he mean by these, these, these groans? Where it's divine conversations between the Trinity on our behalf. It can't be expressed in words, but it carries this profound appeal for the welfare of our lives, for the welfare of the believer. So that this, this conversation is praying that we would get to where God wants to be because it's better for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is just a profound passage. For us, as his, God's children, it says this, but as it is written, things which I has not seen or ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God has revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of a man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us. That's really the key phrase, that we would know the things freely given to us. Verse 27, according to the will of God. God has these amazing plans for all of his children, and yet so few access to them by faith. See, that's the choice we have, to believe. In his book, Unshaken, Pastor Crawford shares some really insightful thoughts on our faith. He says, faith is called faith because it confronts that which stands in the way of God's plans and assignments for our lives. So once again, faith is not only our response to the challenges we face, but also the movement towards God's fulfillment of his plan for us. 
See, faith is risky business because it focuses on God alone as our security. But then again, there's no risk when God's involved. God sometimes takes everything away from us except himself. And we're struck now with the realization that we have to trust him. We have no other resources but his. He goes on to say this. You see sometimes too many options and opportunities provisions set up for a smug self-reliance and idolatry. We may say we're walking by faith, but our real security is found in our resources, relationships, and place in life. Of course, we, we, we never speak those words, but our attitudes and actions say that if God doesn't come through, we have a backup plan. The reality is that if God were to back away from us, there isn't a backup plan in the world that could save your necks. He goes on to say this. I think it's really profound. We are most free and useful to God we're most free and useful to God. When we come to the place where we truly believe that he is enough, especially when our resources are stripped away from us. We have nowhere else to go. Now, 27 years, and I've mentioned this a number of times over the years, we started student-led worship at Colorado Christian University. And if I were to be honest with you, that was not my first choice. I mean, I had a worship leader on staff. He was leading chapel. He was leading all the retreats. Things seemed to be going pretty well. Well, in 1996, I became the official chaplain at the university, even though I'd been doing the work for a number of years. So basically, they started paying me for what I'd been doing for years. Uh, and the worship leader at that point decides to go rogue. He goes to the vice president of student life and says, hey, I want a separate contract. I don't want to be in their campus ministries. And I will do the chapels, and I'll do the retreats. Well, I wasn't too thrilled when I heard that. I was like, first of all, you got to be a team. You know, if, you don't, if you're not underneath the vision, what are you going to do? You're still going to do your own thing, so this is all about music and performance. But I think he's kind of pulling that out, because you know what he thought? He thought, Gus has no clue about music or worship, and he was right. I had no clue. But obviously, I let him go. And then I had to trust God that he could provide the worship that he, he could and would. But I had a couple months to figure that all out. Let me tell you, those were difficult months. And that first year was a very difficult year. It was just trying to grasp what real worship was and trying to really have the right people in there. The second year was so much better and the third year was better. And when I think that Malia Flack has been involved with worship for these past years and has led worship, I go, boy, they've got to have a good plan. And it was a long-term plan, wasn't it? See, it was his will for his glory. See, he's more than enough when we don't have the resources. The Holy Spirit helps by praying for us to do God's will, to conform us to the image of his Son. Verses 28 and 29. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For he, from whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, that we might, he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And again, that key verse here is to those who love God. Those he works together for good. Again, 1 John chapter 5. 
He says this, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. Well, that's a powerful statement. It is not to bring a burden to our lives, it's to free us. It's to free us to live for God. Many things I've learned in life over all the years I've walked with the Lord is when I'm obeying God, great things happen for my life, for my family, even for other people around me. And when we understand this, we also are called according to his purposes, not our own. Ultimately, his purposes for our lives to bring him glory. And as a preacher, that's my heart, my heart's desire that people would trust God. Not the words I say in, in his book, The Supremacy of God in Preaching. John Piper says this, Preaching is the heralding of the good news by a messenger sent by God. The good news that God reigns. That he reigns to reveal his glory. That his glory is revealed most fully in the glad submission of his creation. That there is therefore no final conflict between God's zeal to be glorified and our longing to be satisfied. And that someday the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord, echoing, reverberating in the height, height, white, hot worship of the ransomed church gathered from every people, tongue, and tribe and nation. See, the goal of preaching is the glory of God reflected in the glad submission of his creation. And in sanctification, there's really a secondary purpose. It's to be predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And then an interesting word, the misunderstood word is predestination. Many years ago, we were studying the book of Ephesians, and it just really struck me to understand what this word really means. In his book, Be Rich, Warren Worsby speaks about this and helps us to understand this term. And he speaks about Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, and he says, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ himself, according to the kind intention of his will. He, when he shares about this, he said, he's adopted us. Here we meet that misunderstood word, predestination. This word, as it is used in the Bible, refers primarily to what God does for saved people. Nowhere in the Bible are we taught that people are predestined to hell. Because this word refers only to God's people. The word simply means to ordain beforehand, to predetermine Predestination refers to God's purposes in our life. The events of the crucifixion of Christ were predestined beforehand for us. We were part of his family, predestined for us. Conforming to Christ, as we speak in our passage, for God's purposes for us, as well as our future inheritance. Predestination, its purpose is to do good for his children. Taking out a contest, it can sure sound something different. And, and the key to this, God's purpose, is for the honor and glory of Jesus. Verse 29 at the end, it says that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. It says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
he is also the head of the body of the church, and he's the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might have first place in everything. That's the goal, that he would be first in everything in our lives. And that should lead to worship. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. For which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn in the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. See, that Jesus would be glorified in our lives, honored in our lives, how we live our lives. See, the Holy Spirit helps us by praying for us to do God's will in our weaknesses, by intercession on our behalf, according to the will of God. The conformance of the image of the Son that works all things for good for those who are called according to his purposes, to be predestined to become like Jesus for the glory and honor of God. Then the apostle adds one last thing here in our passage that we would know, we would have confidence that his work is already accomplished in our lives. Those who believe. Verse 30 says, And whom he predestined, he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Isn't it interesting? It's all in the past tense. It's already done. We believe it's already done. It's, it's already predetermined for our good. Isn't that awesome to know that? We're not going to work our way in. We already have it. Again, I, I love what Warren Wiersbe says about this in his book, Be Right. He said, The believer need never faint in times of suffering and trial because he knows that God is at work in the world and that he has a perfect plan. God has two purposes in that plan, our good and his glory. Ultimately, he will make us like Jesus Christ. Best of all, God's plan is going to succeed. It started in eternity past when he chose us in Christ Jesus, and he predetermined that one day we'd be like his son. How can we Christians ever be discouraged and frustrated when we already share the glory of God? Our suffering today only guarantees much more glory when Jesus returns. So I think there, there's a confidence he wants us to have that he's with us, he's for us. Very, very next verse, in verse 31, he says, what then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And he says, you want to make sure you understand how much confidence you can have? Read verses 37 through 39. But in all things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. From convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Isn't that good to know? So, so how do we apply these great truths to our lives? If, if I thought about it, I, I think the application, how do we become more like Jesus by the help of the Holy Spirit? Well, let me just share a few thoughts with you. First of all, begin by just be, being obedient to one thing. One thing. Now, I don't know what that is. You know, maybe, you ask, maybe you told somebody you're going to pray for them. I've done that before, and then you completely forget, you know. <laughs> Write them back down, pray for them, you know. Maybe God just put somebody in your heart that just needs encouragement. And I really encourage you today, write it down somewhere. Just, uh, I do this because I'm like, I know I'm going to forget later. So write it down. Maybe it's a gift you're going to give to somebody. 
Whatever it is, ask the Holy Spirit to help you to follow through. Because when we obey God, and when we extend an act of kindness in His name, by faith, being obedient, it becomes profound at that point. We have no idea what that's going to be. That's what faith is. It's believing in God's profoundness, not ours. And we get to be part of it. How's that work? But it does. Be obedient to one thing. Second thought, uh, we need to see people who come into our church as Jesus sees them. Uh, again, it's a book called Be Mature, and he just says this so well. So how do we practice the idea of Christ in our human relationships? It's really quite simple. Look at everyone through the eyes of Christ. If the visitor is a Christian, we can accept him because Christ lives in him. If he's not a Christian, we can receive him because Christ died for him. It is Christ who is the link between us and others. He's the link of love. The basis for relationship with others is the person and work of Jesus Christ. Any other basis is not going to work I don't care what people think politically I really don't I, I, I don't care if they've lived the worst life and done the most terrible things they are welcome in this church because Jesus died for them I mean it, 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 he welcomes everyone the same way it's really a question how do we welcome them how do we respond to them we need to extend a whole lot more grace. People need to feel valued for who they are, accepted right where they're at. We can't change them, but he can. And maybe we can begin that process if we see people through Christ's eyes. A final thought of application. If we were to become like Jesus, we need to become people of grace and truth. And many of you know, I believe that grace is the greatest biblical principle in the Bible because it deals with all the big topics. <laughs> really, heaven and hell, it talks about God saves undeserving people, sinners. Love that. <laughs> it got me. <laughs> but then it's amazing by his grace, he uses only undeserving sinners. By his grace. So if it's that important, a biblical principle, then why didn't Jesus ever speak about it directly? Very question, isn't it? Got an answer for you. John chapter 1. It says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begun from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This is of he whom I said, He who comes after me has higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Jesus was a living expression of it. He just lived it. And I, got, I really believe this, that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can be people of grace and truth. And God is not waiting for us to get our lives together. He's just waiting for us to trust him and, and to ask for help. I'll close with a story. So it's about 17, 18 years ago. In fact, we used to have the stage over there and preach over here in the early days. And we had a bunch of Colorado Christian students came in. And one gal used to bring her brother to church. 
And I remember I'd see this guy. I thought, gosh, I, I just think he's kind of a smug guy. I, I don't know. Just something there I didn't like. Just came across with this attitude. His nonverbals spoke to me. Really communicated. I was just thinking, he, I, I, here's what I really thought he was saying. I don't only not want to be here at Hillside. I don't even want, I definitely don't want to hear from Gus. I was clearly judging him by his appearance. So he shows up on a Sunday, another Sunday. I'm thinking to myself, I don't even really like this guy. This is all going out from the pulpit. I don't really think that about you guys. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're all going, oh my gosh. But no, I'm seriously thinking this. And we get done with the sermon. I'm literally, I'm ready to walk down and God, and it was so clear, the Lord just nudged my and said, you need to go welcome him. You need to go talk to him. And I'll never forget this. I went back and I shook his hand. I started talking to him. Unknown to me, before coming to church that day, he was considering taking his life. And he told me later, coming to Hillside and seeing me was his last hope. What is that the last guy I would have sent him to? <laughs> he gave his life to Jesus. He actually lived with us for a while. It was awesome. I was just texting with him this week. I did his wedding in South Dakota years ago. He continues to be a devoted follower of Jesus. So by God's grace, he sent a judgmental, judgmental pastor <laughs> to bring the gospel of truth to a desperate man, God's will for God's glory. So God's purpose is to help his children become more like Jesus, even when we are a mess. Amen? <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your grace. Thank you for, that you are a God who so consistently forgives us and loves us. Lord, we mess up and you continue to pick us up, forgive us. God, we pray today that your word would just speak in such a way that we just recognize just the great plans you have for our lives, even in this day, to love others with your love, to be kind a world that so desperately needs kindness. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us take these truths and to apply them to our lives. Amen. Often I find myself in that place of um, defeat and uh, um, when God asks me to do something or, or someone approaches and asks me a question and uh, just, when I, when I, just when I thought I've blown my testimony or um, just yeah, burned bridges or whatever, it, uh, those times often I, I feel like the Lord uses us, and, which is crazy, but it, it, it makes sense that uh, God says he's the strength in our weakness. 
And like Gus said, sometimes it takes that losing everything, that place of despair, that place of, um, you know, no resource or no person or no thing that we can depend on. Uh, it's all stripped away, and, and it's at that point where we say that God is enough. And um, So, God, we just, we just, we just want to confess that uh, we're sorry that that's what it takes sometimes for you to get our attention, for you to help us come to that point of realization where you are enough. God, I thank you for being strength in our weakness. God, we pray desperately that you would be strength in our strength, strength in our everyday life. That we would continue to desperately depend on you even when circumstances are going well. So God, I do want to thank you for those times of struggle, those times of suffering. brings us to you, brings us back to you sometimes, brings us to you. So God, I pray that you would, that you would shine in us and through us in times of weakness, in times of strength. His power is displayed. 
set us free. Surrender to him. Let him work in you and through you. I let out the sails of my heart. Here I am, here you are. I let out the sails of my heart. Here I am, here you are. Keep singing that. Let out the sails of my heart.
Let's just sing this together. And all of you is more than enough for all of me for every thirst and every need you satisfy me with your love and all I have in you sing that all of you and all of you is more than
God, help us to live like that. God, help our testimony to be that you are enough for us. God, that our desperation for you does not always have to be in desperate times. We're desperate for desperation. So God, we love you. We thank you for this time together. And we ask that you help us to continue in worship as we leave this place. As we go to school, as we go to work, as we go to our homes, God, we wanna worship you out of desperation for you. We want to live our lives out of desperation for you. God, we want to believe and sing out that you are enough. We love you, Lord. Why don't we stand one more time and just sing this chorus? All of you, and all of you is more than enough for all of me. you 